Up next. If you want to start a VC fund or if you want to raise for a VC fund, I think you need to have very clearly um, what your like, what your thesis is going to be, what your strategy is going to be, and how you are differentiated. And welcome back to Business Podcast by Rookie. If you enjoyed this episode, tweet me at kr underscore or email at bizpodruhi at gmail.com. So hi everyone, today I'm joined by Daniel Ivbree of Mindset Ventures. So today, in today's episode, we discuss a variety of different topics, including how to add value as a VC fund, connecting the dots across different countries, and so many more topics. So you are interested, do give this episode a listen. And without further ado, let's dive right in to today's episode. So hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. So today we're joined by Daniel Ibri of Mindset Ventures. So hi, Daniel. Would you be able to kind of share what exactly is Mindset Ventures Investment Thesis and what was the journey like founding Mindset Ventures? Sure. So Mindset uh, is an early stage VC firm. We invest in early stage tech startups, mostly in the B2B software space. We're very fans of uh, the B2B model and enterprise models, etc. especially on software. Uh, we invest only in the US and Israel. And uh, one of the things is that we try to connect these companies cross borders and help them expand internationally. So we can talk a little bit more about it later. So in, in general, we do early stage, like C to Series B, B2B software startups, US and Israel only, right? In terms of the journey, so my journey with uh, startups or entrepreneurship actually began in 2009. So I started mentoring some startups. I think I completely fell in love with that and you know decided that was what I was what wanted to do with my life. I uh, started with some major investments. And then finally in 2011, I took the courage to shift my previous uh, strategic consulting career to to this, this, you know, entrepreneurship ecosystem and started my first VC firm in Brazil, where I'm from, uh, in Sao Paulo, and started investing in Brazilian early stage startups. Uh, They funded very well. And then in 2015, I was invited by Microsoft to run their uh, corporate fund in Brazil. And the idea was to build a multi-corporate fund. So we brought together Microsoft and Falcom and Monsanto and other Brazilian corporates to invest in early stage startups in Latin America. And they invited me because of the previous experience to run the fund and be the CEO there. So uh, I was running there for a few years and uh, because of the great support we had from Microsoft and the great exposure we had uh, to other ecosystems, we started actually looking to Israel. And that was like early 2016 or late 2015. Um, and started connecting to Israel. Microsoft had a great uh, hub there with like the accelerator and all the track record. So we started talking to some startups and realized there was a big opportunity for these uh, Israeli startups to expand to a big country like Brazil because you know Israel, although they have amazing entrepreneurs, amazing technology, they're very very tiny market. So they need to go abroad. And Brazil, on the other hand, was a very big market, much less competitive, uh, much cheaper. Uh, so we started helping some some Israeli startups expand to Brazil, and we realized there was an opportunity there. So then in the middle of 2016, uh, myself and Camila, my co-founder, we spin out of that Microsoft fund to create Mindset. 
really trying to be the first Latin American VC completely international cross-border and really trying to connect the dots, right? So although we were born or got started in Brazil, we only invest in the US and Israel since the beginning, so only international. And whenever it makes sense, we help these foreign startups expand to Brazil and Latin America. So it's try to bring in, giving access to local investors to invest abroad and giving access to these foreign entrepreneurs to expand to the region. So that's the, in a nutshell, the, the journey. That's quite an amazing journey that you've had from starting off in startups, then going into VC, and this isn't your first rodeo per se. So my next question to you is, so you launched your fourth fund. So could you explain a bit about that? And I just saw that on LinkedIn, actually. So could you just share a bit about your fourth fund and like what all can the listeners and your LPs or whoever's listening to this podcast expect with your fourth fund? Sure. So we, uh, a, a bit of a, of a two steps back. So we started in the middle of 2016, as I mentioned, almost seven years ago, uh, we fund one, of course, and that was more like a pilot fund. So when we decided to launch Mindset, because of this like thesis that was a little bit uh, uh, innovative, I think of really trying to go international, we said, let's start with a very tiny fund, let's prove the thesis, let's create the first track record, and then we can you know, grow on top of that. So we raised a very small, uh, tiny fund, mostly friends and family in 2016 to raise about $3 million. We deployed it very quickly in one year, did well. Then in 2017, we raised fund two, uh, almost $20 million. And then we expanded to, a, I think, of a broader base. Um, also, I think we did a good job on fund two. And then since then, we started, before launching fund three, we started actually building our team uh, building our capabilities, building the processes, building the decision making, the governance, etc., the board. So now we are a team of uh, 13 people spread between Tel Aviv, the U.S., and Sao Paulo. Um, we have you know local partners in Israel. We have local partners in the U.S. Uh, we have uh, the, the team in Brazil still. Um, and with that, we raised uh, at the end of 2019, early 2020, we raised our fund three. Uh, we raised 52 million. Uh, and that fund did very, very well. It's doing its probably top quartile in its performance. And most, I think, uh, I attribute to that all the learnings that we had in the past, all the actions that we build. We always like to invest with local Israeli or American funds. So building those connections and those trusted networks uh, was very important. And then uh, to get to your point, so we finished deploying fund three around mid last year. And with that, we decided about launching Fund 4. And the decision was uh, interesting because we started thinking of, of course, growing the size of the fund, uh, but whether we should do something different in terms of our thesis, if we should, you know, expand geographically, if we should expand, you know, the scope of the fund. But at the end of the day, I think we've learned so much over the years about what we are doing uh, that the decision was, you know, we should probably keep doing exactly what we're doing. And that's probably the best timing to take all the learnings and all the, the things that we that we did in the past and take the best out of the new fund instead of just starting to build something new or change the thesis. So fund four, we launched late last year. Uh, it's a $100 million fund. We already raised around 25% of that. Um, and the fund is exactly the same. So it's exactly the same thesis as I mentioned. Early stage, like C2 Series B, B2B software companies from the US and Israel, right? 
exactly the same thesis, bigger, bigger check size, uh, but other than that, doesn't doesn't change anything. So we decided to keep the same thesis, enhance uh, what we're doing, take advantage of the learnings from the past, and try to do a fund with a even better performance than we did on country. These are all some lovely points, and I think I loved your point on showing that you can have some momentum in the fundraise and you have a history of delivering. So my next question to you is actually on your previous point on connecting the dots across different countries. So how do you guys do that in Mindset Ventures? And yeah, anything you could share on how do you guys also add value to your portfolio company? That's a good question. So I think we learned a lot about fundraising, you know, <laughs> learn by doing, honestly, as, as we did in the past, right? And there's, uh, there's a lot of learnings that I could share. So I think the first one is you need to, if you want to start a VC fund or if you want to raise for a VC fund, I think you need to have very clearly um, what your, like, what your thesis is going to be, what your strategy is going to be, and how you are differentiated, right? I think it's VC something that is uh, very, like, common these days. There's lots of funds, lots of theses all over the world. So it's very hard to start a fund and say, I'm completely new. I'm the first one to thought about it. It's, it's not like building a startup where you have, a, you know, a, an exclusive technology. You're just doing something where the entry barriers are very low. Some people can, you know, raise money, get into a WeWork office and start a VC, right? So the question is always, uh, if you go to the most sophisticated potential investors and LPs, they are probably already investing in VC. So the first question is, what's going to be your thesis and how you're going to be different from all the tons of other funds that are in the market? Uh, and how can you prove that you can implement that differentiation, right? What do you or your team or your partners have uh, uh, differently than the other funds or other managers in the market to be able to implement that different thesis or different strategy to have a different return, right? I think that's the, the first question. And some people need to be just saying, hey, I'm going to be an early stage VC firm. Like there's tons of that, the best LPs already investing all of them. So why are they going to invest in you, right? So having a very clear pitch and differentiation is very important. I think the second part is to, given the, the, the strategy, choose the right LPs to approach, right? There's different types of LPs from like high net worth individuals to family offices, to corporates, to, you know, institutions, to fund of funds, to endowments. And each of these potential LPs have a different profile, either in terms of decision-making process, time to make a decision, size of the funding invest, size of the checks, etc. So you should be aware which types of LPs you should reach out to, not to waste your time. Just like if you're a first-time manager in a small fund, you know, don't go talk to big you know, endowments or institutions. They're never going to invest in you. It's going to take a while. It's gonna You're going to make a big effort at the end of the day. It's going to be useless. So, you just need to choose where you aim. Um, and so that's probably the second. And I think third is that maybe two more that I think are important. The third one is you need to build this like a process, right? Fundraising is not a one-time effort. It's really a process. So yeah, you do the thesis, build the materials, build the deck, build the data room. Uh, you have it very clearly. Then you list the the LPs that you want to approach, and then you start, and then it's like a process. So you need to have it very well, uh, like established and organized, like, you know, go to the LPs, try to find, you know, a common connection, get to them, 
do the pitch, share the materials, open the data room, wait one week, ask their feedback, then wait two weeks, ask again, and, and do this like a process, right? Always following on, always, you know, making sure they're comfortable and sharing more information as you go to make sure you're following up and not just like do a call, send a material and just wait for them to call you back in one, two months. It's not going to happen. So you have to drive the process. You have to organize this very well into a process, into a timeline. Um, so that is, is, is very important, right? And I think the fourth and last point is if you're raising a fund, the more you can show that you can execute or, or provide some quick wins, the better. So if you say, I'm going to invest in like, you know, 10 early stage companies, I don't know, in Israel. Cool. If you do the first closing of your fund, get some money in, invest in the first company. And then you show everyone, hey, remember I told you I was going to do that. This is what I did. Look at this company, how amazing it is. And then you use that to do the second closing to raise again. And then eventually you're going to have a quick early exit or whatever that you can also show or invest in a high profile company. So you start building momentum into the fundraising and start showing a history of delivering as you build your fundraising. So don't expect you're going to, you know, raise whatever. Let's say you're going to raise 20 million. This 20 million will come once, right? It's going to be a process. It's going to be building parts. So you can do a first closing, do something with that initial money, invest in the first company, show everyone you did it, then do a second closing, and then you start building the fund. So uh, build as you go is probably also one of the things that I learned that makes that process, I think, a little bit easier, especially if you're starting. So yeah, you've shared a really great point on how you guys add value and the importance basically of value creation as a VC fund. And how did you have to have a team behind you to do this? And so, yeah, those are just my questions that I have. And it was an absolute honor and a pleasure to host you on the podcast today. So do share how the audience can get in touch with you and potentially how they could even pitch to your VC fund. Great that you've had such a like broad range of experiences from your first fund to now your fourth fund, which is kind of an iteration of all these different funds. So my next question to you is more along the lines of fundraising for a VC fund. So you've had experience doing this like four, four times or so. So could you share any tips and strategies with the audience of how they could also approach this as well? Yeah, great. So I think this is one of the things that we learned that, you know, international expansion or connections can have a very interesting leverage and impact on the companies, but it's not for every company. It's not for every stage, because if you're going international to whatever country you are, it takes a lot of time and effort and money and dedication. So if you're too early, you know, you shouldn't be looking to go international or whatever. So there's the right time in the right markets, the right companies to do that. Uh, but it's one of the things that really we learned that really adds value. So that's interesting uh, and and depends on the country. So, for instance, for Israelis, it's very common for them to expand to the U.S. And because they speak the language, they know the culture, they have some connections a little bit easier. Right. Uh, in our case, where we are helping not only to expand to the U.S., but also to expand to Brazil uh, and Brazil, it's a potentially huge market for most of the startups. But it's challenging because you don't speak the language, you don't know the culture. You know, it's a very like bureaucratic country. You need to know the right people. So knowing the right people, opening the the, the right doors for these uh, entrepreneurs 
uh, connecting them with potential clients. I think this is something we, we do very well. And also over the years, we have uh, established our uh, dedicated value creation team. So Camila, my partner, is the one who leads that together with another associate. And their job full-time is to help the portfolio company, right? So once we invest in a company, they have an onboarding call with our value creation team. They define the priorities. They define how often they need to connect. And really, this team starts working for them. So what we do for the companies is like from having a platform of benefits of pre-vetted uh, uh, service providers and vendors that we did. So they have access to like 70 um, service providers from like cloud credits to software licenses to headhunters to marketing agencies, whatever they want. They have pre-vetted service providers with discount or perks or free trials for all of our portfolio companies. So this is like an instant value from day one, uh, which is very interesting. And besides that, we also help on sales, which I think, especially for early stage companies, is very important, like opening the right doors, uh, recruiting, marketing, PR, international expansion, fundraising. We help our founders like build the deck, do the pitch training, connect to new funds if they're raising a new round. So I think we have a whole team dedicated to this value creation. Uh, and I think this has been this has been very important over the years as we build the relationship with our uh, founders and our portfolio startups and really proves to generate value. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing all your insights and for sharing how the audience can connect with you. And yeah, hope you have an amazing day ahead. Of course. Uh, thank you so much for the invitation. It was a pleasure. Uh, if anyone wants to get in touch, please do so uh, on LinkedIn if you want. I'm very active there. So Daniel Ibri, my name, you're going to find me easy. Um, if you want to pitch something, send me the deck, send me the presentation through LinkedIn as well. I'm, I'm very responsive. Uh, if you have something on the B2B software space, US and Israel, I'll be happy to, you know, take a look and connect. So thank you very much.